I ask you this morning to turn to the book of um, Luke. Let's go with chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. I'm going to start reading in verse 11. We'll go through verse 24. If you're there, say amen. If you ain't there, say hold on. Here we go. Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered, gathered all together and journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise, and I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So make me like a hired servant of yours. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf, the biggest one you can find. Bring the best one you've got. And bring him out here and kill it. And let's eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. You can be seated this morning. I love this story. I have a very simple message for you this morning. I'm not going to try to get all in depth. I'm just going to put it to you like the Lord would have me to put it to you. Whenever this story has come up, Jesus has just been seen eating with sinners, tax collectors, publicans. He's been seen conversing with those who are unclean to the Pharisees or to the Jews. And the Jews have a problem with this. And they say, why does he eat with publicans and with sinners? See, these people they were talking about were Jews themselves, but they had walked away from the faith and they were unclean. They had not purified themselves. And even still, Jesus began to tell them parables to help them understand that these are your brothers. Yes, they have walked away. 
Yes, they have gotten away from where they're supposed to be, but they are your brothers. And I want you to know that the reason I have come is because I am drawing them back to the Father. I am here to reconcile all people back to the Father. So he begins to tell them a story about a father who had two sons. The younger of these sons looked at his father and he said something that just tickles me every time I hear it because I can't imagine how the father responded. The Bible don't actually tell you what the father did at first. The only thing the Bible tells you is that after the son asked him this request, the father gave it to him. But the father comes, the son comes up to the father and he says, Father, give me. Give me what is coming to me. And I can imagine that if we were back in this time, you know as well as I do, the father probably looked at this son and said, I want to give you what's coming to you. That's probably what he thought. Okay, I'll give you what's coming to you. See, according to Jewish faith, according to Jewish law, the eldest son received a double portion of the father's inheritance, of the father's livelihood. This would have been lands. It would have been cows. It would have been sheep. It, it might have been silver and gold. But either way, he would have received a double portion. Now, the youngest son would have received one portion of that. So since there was only two of them, the youngest son would have received one-third of the father's livelihood. The eldest son would have received two-thirds of the father's livelihood. But there was a clause that took place in older days when it came to children getting their inheritance before the parents actually passed. And that clause was usually this. The father could continue to use the land until he passed away. As long as he was still alive, the son could go and sell the land. But the new owner who bought the land could not use the land until the father actually passed away. Rightfully, it was his. But there was an exception that the father was still alive, so therefore it still belonged to him as long as he lived. But when he died, it would be his possession. So the youngest son, after coming to the father and making a demand, not a request. He did not come to the father and say, Father, can I please have what is rightfully going to be mine when you pass away anyway? No. He comes to the father and he makes a demand. He says, Father, give me what's coming to me anyway. I want to talk to you this morning about a couple of things. I want to talk to you about recognizing when you're about to mess your life up. You know, you don't have to wait till you're in the hog pen before you recognize that you've messed up. There are some warning signs that you can see ahead of time that can stop you in the least little thing to keep you from getting... To, anybody in here ever been in the hog pen? I've been there. I've been there several times. I'm telling you, I am the prodigal son who has come back home, and I'm trying my best not to go back to the hog pen, but I've been there. And I know many of you have, but I want to tell you I'm learning that I don't have to get to the hog pen before I recognize how I'm messing my life up. I can see some signs first. The second thing I'm going to get to is I want to talk to you about the way back once you get to the hog pen. 
But let's start first things first. The way to recognize that you're about to mess up your life. The first thing I noticed was the demand. He did not make a request. He said, Father, give me what is going to be rightfully mine anyway. Here's what I see there. I see a son or a daughter, whichever the case may be, who has been living under the Father's commands. He's been living according to the Father's rules of the household, but somewhere along the way, he's tired of his Father's rules. There is so much out there that he wants to experience. There is so much that he wants to do. But the father won't let him do this in his house. As long as I'm in my father's house, I've got to abide by my father's rules. Can I get a witness from any of y'all teenagers out there? Don't feel good, does it? I'm tired of living by my father's rules. I do not want to do what my father says. There is so much out there for me to experience and he's holding me back. He's not doing what God would have him to do. He's keeping me from all these things that the world has to offer me. And so he decides that he wants to take control of his own life. He decides that I am an adult now. I can decide what's best for me. I don't need my father to tell me what to do anymore. I'm a grown man. I can do what I want to do. Boy, we've been there before, ain't we? <laughs> How many of you got to that point you want to go back to your father's house? I've been there. But you know what? He should have seen right off the bat that when he got to a point in his life that he wanted control instead of the father having control. He should have recognized that these desires that were coming to him were not of the father. They were of the world. See, the first thing I think about is Adam and Eve, and you've heard me say it many times, when they eat the, tr the fruit from the tree, that was the only command God had given them. Do not eat the fruit from this tree. That's it. I mean, how hard is that? But they looked at him and they said, you know what? God's trying to keep this knowledge from us because he don't want us to be like him. I'm tired of my father's rules. I'm tired of him trying to tell me how to live what I can eat, what I can't eat. So I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to get me a little fruit off this tree and I'm going to take a bite of it. And then I'm going to share it with my spouse. Basically, here's what they said. Father, we no longer need for you to decide what is good and evil in our lives, it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, correct? They said, Father, we can now take this knowledge upon ourselves, and we can determine for ourselves what is good and what is evil for our lives. Father, we want control of our lives from here on out. And boy, was it the worst mistake that was ever made or what? The first thing you can recognize is that fleshly desire of you wanting to have control of your life, that ought to be the first step. And you know that sounds so easy, and guess what? It is. You can recognize that this is something that is not good in my life, even though it's something I want, even though it's something I desire, it is not going to be good for me. It's going to lead me in a path that is not the way the Father would have had me go. Remember, the Father has the best intentions for you. The Father has so much love for you. He's not keeping things away from you because He don't want you to have them. The Father wants you to have all good things. 
He don't want to keep anything from you except what you do not need. I truly believe that even Adam and Eve were not going to be forever to, re, to abstain from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Why else would he have put it in the garden? I mean, if he did not eventually one day intend to let them eat from it when they were ready, why else would he have put it in the garden? He meant one day that when they are ready, when he has trained them, when he has raised them, when they're ready, he will then allow them to eat from this tree. That's my belief. You don't have to take it to the bank. You ain't got to listen to it. You can even throw that out if you want to. That's just what I believe. And I believe also that the day is coming when the Father gives us what is rightfully ours, what he wants us to have. But it comes at a time when we're ready for it. And we should trust the Father until the point that that comes. The first thing you need to recognize is the demand for control in your life, wanting to follow the fleshly desires. The second thing I saw comes from verse 13. Look at what it says. And not many days after. So remember, the father has divided the livelihood between the two sons. And I'm talking about, the Bible tells us that not many days. Now he don't have all money in his possession. He has some land in his possession. He has some cattle. He has some sheep. So he has to take these things. He has to go and he has to sell them. And he has to put money in his pocket because he's not going to stay here and farm and make money from his inheritance, is he? So he has to sell all these things and he puts money in his pocket and now he's fixing to take off and he's fixing to go. And the Bible says not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country. I'm moving into my third point. I've got to get my second one out. My second point is this. When you get in a hurry, <laughs> anybody ever heard the expression, wait on the Lord, wait on God? How many times could you point that out to me in the Word of God? Many, many times. When you read through the Old Testament or even the New Testament, you will find, wait on the Lord. Don't be in a hurry. Kids are in a hurry to waste their life. They're in a hurry to get out and, and, and waste their purity. They're in a hurry to get out here and waste everything that has been put in them as they've been raised. They're in such a hurry to just get out here and experience the world instead of waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Father. Do you remember the story of Moses? Moses was born in Egypt, and it was a time whenever the Pharaoh had sent out that all of the male children of the Israelites should be killed, right? Only the female should be saved. All the males should be killed. But Moses' mother took him and he hit him in bulrush and he went floating down the river. Pharaoh's daughter comes, finds Moses in the bulrush, takes him in and raises him up in Pharaoh's house. The book of Acts tells us that Moses had decided that he would not enjoy the pleasures of sin that Pharaoh had to offer. But instead, he would go to his people and he would serve the Lord, serve with his people, deliver them. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts chapter 7, I believe it is, that, that whenever Moses had something come into his heart to go and visit his brethren, he had this calling in his life to go and visit his brethren. So he goes out to visit them and he sees 
one of his brethren suffering wrong from one of the Egyptians. And y'all remember what Moses did? Stepped up and he killed the Egyptian. He had a calling to deliver the people. But that was not the time, was it? He did not wait on the Lord. He stepped ahead of what the Lord would have him to do. And he got ahead of God and he stepped out. He made a mistake. And because of that, the Bible says that he fled Egypt and he became a dweller in the land of Midian. In other words, he fled and he became something that God never intended for him to be. You know why? Because he got ahead of God. He did not wait on the Lord. So if there's a second point i got to say to you is this. If you feel like you've got to hurry up and do something, slow down. You know why? You're fixing to mess up. Slow down. Wait on the Lord. Pray about your decisions. Know that this is something that falls in line with what the Father has taught you is good and right. And if you will do those things, you can catch yourself before you end up in the hog pen. See, some of you, that may not mean much to you, but if you've ever been in the hog pen and you know what it feels like, you don't want to be there again. So you can recognize right off the bat that here are some things that I can see that are going on in my life that I can stop myself and know this is leading to a bad place. The next thing I see, it says, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country. My third point is real quick. He couldn't do the things he wanted to do in his father's house, could he? His father would not let him do these things. So I want to go out and get my livelihood and spend it on the way I want to live. I want control of my life. The third point that you ought to recognize, if you can't do it in the house of God, or if you can't do it around your other Christian brothers and sisters, you are probably headed to the hog pen. If it embarrasses you, if you're in Walmart buying something that one of your brothers and sisters walks up and sees you and it embarrasses you, guess what? You're probably headed to the hog pen. You're probably making a decision. If you can't do this in your father's house, then guess what? You know that it is not something that is godly. You know that it is not something that is going to lead to righteousness, but instead it is going to satisfy the desire of the flesh, and it is not going to be a good decision. So I say to you, if you have to journey to a far country to do what you want to do, stop. Recognize that this is not going to be good, and you won't end up in the hog pen. The next thing, it says that he journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. There wasted his possessions with prodigal living. I looked up that definition of prodigal, and this is what it means. Rashly, recklessly, extravagant spending. In other words, he was not taking any care to the way he was spending his livelihood, but it was prodigal living. It was wasteful living. It was things that would not last. That should have been a sign that he was so ready to waste this livelihood. That should have been a sign that was just flashing, saying, this thing leads to famine. This thing leads to me being in want. This thing leads to me being in the hog pen. 
He should have seen that. I want to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 through 26. This is what it says. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the what? Passing pleasures. Than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Whenever you begin to waste your life, you need to recognize that this is a passing pleasure. You know, this is something, have you ever got, you know, the flesh desires so many things and then you start going after them and then before you know it, you don't desire it anymore. You ever heard the old expression, you always want what you can't have, then when you get it, you don't want it anymore? You know why? Because it was sin. Because it was a passing pleasure of sin. It did not last. Look at what it says in um, verse 14. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in what? In want. It didn't last, did it? It was a passing pleasure. It was something that looked so good when the father was telling him not to live this way, not to do this. It looked so good. But then one day, he finally realized this thing was just a passing pleasure. It did not last. I have spent everything that I have ever worked for, that I have ever done. I have just spent everything on something that does not last. He goes on, he says, in verse 15, Then he went, and what did he do? He joined himself. Anybody know what my fifth point is? Then he went, and he joined himself to a citizen of that country. Was this a citizen of the country of his father's house? This was a citizen of what country? The sinful country, the Gentile country, the the country that he had to go off into to live the way that he wanted to. And so now he has joined himself. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked together. You are called to come out from among them and be ye separate. Not because you're holier than thou. Not because you are without sin. But because you have been delivered from the bondage of sin. You have been delivered from the world and all that, that all the pleasures that pass that are in it. Come out from among them. Be separate. Do not be joined together with them because you will end up in the hog pen. I'm not just talking about marriage here. So many people think I'm talking about, people talk about marriage when the Bible says do not be unequally yoked together. Do you know where that passage of scripture is that it don't even talk about marriage in that, in that passage? Do not be unequally yoked together means Christians and unbelievers, period. Whether it is marriage, business, whatever it is, you do not belong together. Again, not because you're holier than thou, not because you're better than them, but because you are walking a different path than what they're walking. If they want to follow you, praise be to God. But you do not follow them. All right. He goes on 
He says, He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. I'm not going to dwell a whole lot on that, but I want you to know that Jesus is talking to Pharisees who are Jews, correct? So he would be using examples that they would understand. How many of you know that swine was something that Jews wouldn't even touch? You know why? They were unclean. If Jews even touched a swine, they were unclean. They could not eat of it. They could not associate with it. They were not allowed to be around swine because it was unclean. But yet here we have a son of God, a Jew who has just found himself in the hog pen feeding pigs. He has now come to the lowest point. He has now come to a point in his life that he is not supposed to be. This is completely contrary to where he's supposed to be. I want to look at verse 16. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17. But when he came to himself. I've just shown you plenty of points of warnings that you can see how not to end up in the pig pen. But I'm fixing to show you the way back if you do end up in the pig pen. Listen to what he says next. But when he came to himself. That's the first thing. There actually does come a point if you are a child of God. If you have been delivered from the bondage of sin and found yourself back in the pig pen, there will come a point when you come to yourself. There will come a point whenever, the, the Bible says, when, you, when he came to himself. In other words, he was not himself, was he? He had become something that he was not supposed to be. He had to come to himself. He had to recognize that this is not what I was created for. This is not who I am. This is not where I'm supposed to be. He said, I am the image of the Almighty God. I am, I am created to be the glory of God, and I'm in a hog pen. He came to himself, and he recognized this is not where I'm supposed to be. That's the first step you have to do. You've got to recognize that you are in a place that you do not belong. This is not who you are. This is not who God created you to be. He made you to be more. He means for you to be more. So when he came to himself, he realized, this is not who I am. And he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread and enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? The second thing you have to do after coming to yourself, you've got to remember. You need to look back at where you were before you ended up in this hog pen. Look back at all the father has done for you. Look back at how good it was in your father's house before you started thinking about this passing pleasure. Look back at just how blessed you were to be a child of this father. He looks back and he remembers how many of my father's hired servants, not his sons, just the servants that he pays money to, they have bread and enough to spare. And yet, I, the son, perish with hunger. He said, I remember. So here's what the third step is. What do y'all think it is? 
verse 18. I will what? Third step. What do you got to do? <laughs> you can't lay in the hog pen. You've got to get up and get back on the path that leads back to the Father's house. I will arise. You have to make a choice in your own mind. I am going to get up out of this. I don't care how bad it hurts to have to go home and tell my father what I've done. I don't care how ashamed I am. I'm going to get up. And I'm going to get on that road that leads back to that place I remember how blessed it is. And I'm going back home. I will arise. I will make a change. And then he says, And I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned. He said, I'm going to confess what I've done. Even though we argued before we left, even though I told my father, you don't know what's best for me. You don't know how I need to live my life. This is my life. I can do what I want to do with my life, Father. Don't you know there was probably a pretty big fight before he left? But even still, he said, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go home. I'm going to tell my father, Father, boy, I messed up. I blew it all. I, I, I got no, no excuse. I got nothing I can say. Father, I've sinned. I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned before you. And he goes on, he says, And I am no longer worthy to even be called your son. He said, I've messed up so bad. I'm not even worthy for you to even call me your son anymore. But I'm going to go home and I'm going to tell him how bad I've messed up. And I'm just going to ask him if he'll make me just one of his hired servants. If he'll just do that for me. If he'll just give me just bread enough to eat like one of his hired servants. At least then I'll be better off than I was in the hog pen. So he gets up and he goes. And then in verse 20. He arose. This is the best part. I'm telling you what, this is the best message you will ever hear as a Christian. This is the best message you will ever hear as a sinner. I hope that I hope somebody get up and just shout whenever I get done with this right here. But listen to this. And he arose and he came to his father. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. He came to himself. He got up. He goes back to his father. But look what it says next. What's that next word? But. I love that word especially in the Word of God. He says here, He arose, came to His Father, but when He was still a great way off. This right here tells me something. The Father ain't been about His daily routine since His Son's been gone, has He? His Father has been on the front porch in a rocking chair, just looking as far down the road as He can see. And every time He saw uh, uh, somebody pass by, He got up and He looked. And he said, maybe, maybe that's him. I don't care about the fight we had. I don't care if he brings anything home, but maybe that's my son. And he looks out through there, but day after day goes by and it's not his son. It's not. He wants it to be his son so bad, but it is not his son. But then one day he looks up and a great ways off, he sees a blur of an image. He don't know if it's his son, but it walks like his son. It's got that little strut like his son has got. 
And so from a great ways off, he looks and, and he says, that's my son. And you know what he does? He jumps. An old man, a man who has so many hired servants, a man that is rich, a man with dignity, a man that is not a man who runs. He walks everywhere he goes with the best robe, with the ring on his finger, but he don't care about his dignity right now. He sees his son, and he gets up, and he jumps out of this chair, and he runs, and look what it says. His father saw him, and he had compassion, and he ran. And he fell, and he fell on his son's neck, and he kissed him. And I think about this right here. The father did not run and ask the son, where's my money? He did not say, what have you done? The son has not even had time to get the words out of his mouth. Father, I have sinned. He don't care. He says, the only thing I care about is that my son, who was lost. I don't care about the fight. I don't care about the sin. I don't care about the money. I don't care about my best calves that he sold and wasted on prodigal living. I don't care. The only thing I care about is that my son, who was lost, and I've been looking for him for days, he's home. He's home. And I run, and I fall on his neck, and I kiss him. And the son said to him, Father, now the son gets to confess. After the father's already forgiven. Father's already handed it out. And now the son gets to confess. He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I'm not worthy to be called your son. I'm not worthy to be called your son. But he looks at him. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. Don't you bring out those robes I give to my hired servants. Don't you bring out those robes that I give to my maid servants, my men servants. Don't you do that. You bring out the best robe that I have in the house. The one that I would wear to the balls of all the elders of the cities. You bring out that robe. You bring out the purple robe, the one that stands for royalty. And you put that robe on my son. He said, you bring out the best robe and you put it on him and you put a ring on his hand and you put sandals on his feet because only the slaves go barefoot. He's a son. You put shoes on his feet. You clothe him with the clothes that I have to give him which is the best that he could wear. And then you bring the fatted calf here and you kill it. You bring the best calf that I have. I don't care that he done blew all of his money and sold all of my other fatted calves. I don't care. You bring the best one that I've got. And, and, and you bring it here and I'm going to waste it on him. He says here, bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead. But he's alive again. He was lost, and I looked for him every day. But I knew one day if I kept looking, I would see him. And he has now been found. And the Bible says they began to be merry. That's so, such great news right there. That you can get yourself down into the place that you were never supposed to be. A Jew in a hog pen. You can get yourself to a place that, that God, that you think there's no way on this earth that God could reach down and get you. But He can. 
He can get you from the deepest hog pen you think you can get yourself in. But you've got to come to yourself. You've got to recognize this is not where I'm supposed to be. This is not who I am. And when you come to yourself and you recognize this, then you make a decision that I'm going to get up and I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to tell him that I have sinned and I'm going to give my life back to him if he will just make me but a hired servant and I'm going to make you a promise before you find your knees to this altar before you get outside of your pew the father will see you from a great distance off and he will run to you and he will fall on your neck and he will kiss you and he'll start calling for the robe the ring the fatted calf and the great feast because my son who once was lost guess what he's found my son who was dead he ain't dead no more he's alive again I decided to do this on New Year's Day or day after New Year's Day, however you want to call it, first Sunday of the new year. Because I believe that many of you, some of you probably made New Year's resolutions to do this, do that. I think it's good. I think we need to make decisions and look at our life and see things that need to change. But it don't just come on December 31st. This year I want you to make a resolution that I'm going to see my path going to the hog pen before I get there. I'm going to start recognizing these little things that I can change in my life and make sure that I don't get that far, but I get out of it before I ever get in it. And I pray today that you would look at your life and see if you have either been in that place where the prodigal son is or you are in that place. And I pray that you will come to yourself this morning. I pray that every day this year that you find yourself in this place, I pray you will come to yourself. And I pray you will recognize that this is not where I belong. This is not who I was created to be. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to my father right now before I end up in the hog pen.